0: Hello. Hello. Everybody that's online is like, what is your deal? Everyone in here is like, what is your deal? (laughs) So you guys, we are going to do things in reverse tonight. Woo! Steve is preaching and I get to do the announcements. Yeah! So you guys, I am excited. We got a couple things coming up uh, down the road here a little bit. So May 5th, you guys, which is two weeks. Two weeks, is that right? Yeah, two weeks away on May 5th, starting at 7 p.m. You guys are going to be doing a Thirst Night. For those of you that have maybe never heard of our Thirst Nights, we've been doing them for, I think, a year and a half, two years now. Here's the deal. I know Steve likes to call them an open mic night. That's really not the vibe. The vibe of the open mic is this, and that's the truth of it. The vibe of the open mic is so that we can all hear what's being said, but the vibe is, is that it's God's Word speaking through you. That's the vibe of the open mic. So I don't want anyone online or anywhere else to hear like, oh, sweet, I can bring my guitar and tell them my Motley Crue solo on the guitar. No, that's not the point, right? The point is to really just seek the Lord together. If you guys are familiar with the Calvary Chapel model of the uh, Afterglow, that's really kind of the thrust of this is just to come and let the Holy Spirit speak through us and to us through his word, So if God's given you a word from the Bible that you want to share with everyone, then bring that, come with that. If God gives you a tongue, be open and available to to do what God has for you to do. And don't walk in fear of what all that might look like. Because the reality is, guess what? If there's a tongue without an interpretation, do you know what the Bible says? We shut it down for the night. Nobody gets beat up. Nobody gets kicked out of the church. We just say, okay, we're not going to do that the rest of the night. It's okay. Okay right? And we, we grow and we learn from it. We all make mistakes here. So the point is we want to come to Thirst Night thirsty for what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us Amen. and through us. Amen? And so that's really the vibe of Thirst Night. Is, and so it is an open mic. He's not wrong. There is an open mic. And that's for you to come up and just share what God has for you. And I'll be honest, the last few that we've had have been amazing. God has been laying scripture verses on people's hearts that they've come up and shared, and other people then have just been ministered to by those verses. We've had a lot of prayer just, just happening. You guys, that's the point of prayer of Thirst Night is just to come thirsty and ready for what the Holy Spirit's gonna do. Got it? Cool, sweet. Last thing I wanna mention is the baptismal baptism service that we're doing on May 7th. Yes, that is a real picture from October. It was freezing. It's not going to be any less cold, I'm sure, on May 7th, but I'm stoked. We've got right now three people that want to be baptized. If there are any more, please come talk to me, uh, you know, up until the day of, and you We'll talk about it. We'll we'll cover the basics of like what baptism is and what the point of baptism is and all that stuff. If you're not aware, we'll talk about that stuff. And if that's something then that you're not comfortable with, we just won't do it then. But it's cool. If you've been baptized and you want to be rebaptized, um, listen. Biblically, it's it's an outward expression of what has already happened inside. And so for me, I got baptized at twelve before I knew the Lord, which was me just getting dunked underwater. I was baptized again at 17, after I had accepted Christ, and that baptism was amazing. And so my point is, it's okay. There's not some weird rule around it. It's okay. You can come and talk to me about it. We'll, we'll talk through what that looks like, why we do baptisms, what the point of baptism is, and, uh, and go from there. So if you're ready to hop into the uh, beach at Wallace Sands in freezing cold water along with me, then come chat with me about it. Get cool? You guys all okay? Yeah. It's Wednesday night. It seems like everybody's just like, meh. Everybody online's even worse. They're sleeping already. <laughs> you guys, let's pray for the tithes and offerings, and we will jump in tonight. God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Lord, that, man, we have, we have people that you've raised up in this church body, Lord God, that can teach your word. And I thank you, God, for the privilege that it is to have just, Lord, the opportunity to come to your word open, receptive, and ready for what you want to speak to us, God. Lord, you know what you're doing. God, your word does not return void. It tells us that directly. And so, God, I pray, Father, that as Steve brings the word tonight, Father, that that would just be such an awesome blessing. And, Lord, for the tithes, the offerings, the time, the effort, all the things, Lord God, that are, are being brought in, Father, just as your word also says there, Lord, that we are to challenge you. God, that you tell us, Lord, challenge me on this whenever we give, Father, to see what blessing you might pour out on us. God, I pray, Father, that for us as a church, Lord, that we would be people that do as your word says, Lord, and give hilariously. God, that we would be hilarious givers, joyfully giving from all that you've given us, God. Have your way in everything that you bring in, and God, give us as leadership, Lord God, the the board. Lord, give us all wisdom. Lord, we don't want to spend one penny errantly, God. We want to treat all of that you bring in, Lord God, with reverence, God, and, Father, to, to, to use it for your kingdom, God. So have your way in all of that, Lord. Bless those that give, God. And, Father, I, I just thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Anyone need a Bible tonight? Didn't bring a Bible, don't have it on your smartphone? Guys, Everybody good, good? I'm not good at this. <laughs> 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 hard, hard to train them, hard to train them. Yeah, <laughs> So if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you know that uh, uh, we're picking up in Exodus chapter 15 is where we're going to be tonight. Um, And if you were here last week, we talked about uh, one of the great miracles uh, that happened certainly in the Old Testament, right? The uh, crossing of the Red Sea. And to put that in perspective of what happened. So before we uh, look at 15, which is, um, I'm gonna say it's Moses's happy song um, uh, of what happened. Um, But to put it in perspective, picture this. Let's just say that we're all down um, south of Boston standing on the beach. Um, And not only just us, but all of the citizens of Boston, I don't know how big Boston is, uh, but it's big. All the citizens of Boston are, are with us. And for whatever reason, the armies of Canada are after us. I don't know the reason why, but for whatever reason, right? I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah, <laughs> it would be better if it was the French, right? They'd all go home and have a bagel or something. <laughs> uh, but just, just picture that. Um, here's what didn't happen. Moses didn't say, okay, we're gonna get my select few, the, the uh, Green Beret uh, a team, and we're gonna go out and test the waters first. And if everything works out all right, then all of you can come with me. He didn't say that. Um, in fact, although God told him what was going to happen, but only moments before, what also he didn't do was say, okay, everybody come around Of course, with a couple of million people that have been pretty tough anyway, but he didn't say, hey, everybody come around. Let me tell you what God's going to do so you're prepared as we go forward. And even if he had done that, that would have been pretty uh, uh, hard to believe, right? I don't know about you, uh, but if we're on the beach south of of Boston and we've decided that we're going to walk over to uh, Cape Cod, you'd probably look at me anyway and say, yeah, uh, have we have a good trip, Steve. Let us know how it works out. Send me an email when you get over there. I'm sure everything's gonna be all right. But he didn't tell them even, right? Uh, meanwhile, there was this cloud that had been above them before that I don't know how this happened. I, I picture in my mind this cloud just kind of inverting itself and coming down, but it came down between Moses and the Egyptians, or in our case, between us and the citizens of Boston, and the Canadians, we don't have to worry about them anyway, but come down and it says that what happened is to the army of Egypt or to the Canadians, they had pitch blackness. They couldn't see anything, I mean, it was the lights were completely out. How that happened, I don't know. On the other side was complete lightness, right? It was like daylight the whole time. So as we're getting prepared and kind of getting the troops, uh, the, the not the troops, uh, the people together, we've got daylight. Um, and that darkness is so dark that in fact, the Egyptians couldn't come to where Moses and the children of Israel was. How did it happen? I don't know, pretty miraculous, right? So picture in your mind that we're there and this is going on, <laughs> that day and night, we've got light. Um, somehow we know that on the other side, it's complete darkness, which is holding the Egyptians off. And in, in our scenario, it wouldn't be Moses, of course, it'd be Jeremy that says, come with us, and starts to walk into the water. Right? Think, think about this. I mean, this is something really happened, but think about what the people must have felt when Moses started to walk in the water and took his... Uh, Rod of God, and I love that back uh, early in uh, uh, Exodus where we found out that he had a staff, a a stick. Um, My wife has a walking stick, and every time I see it now, I I think of that that verse where uh, he had this stick, and God said, throw it down on the ground. He threw it down on the ground and became a snake. God said, pick it up. Trust me, I'd be thinking twice about that myself. I'm not a big fan of snakes. But he picked it up, and then it became the rod of God. Right? I love that. So he takes the rod of God and he lays it out over top of uh, the water and the water parts. Right, And the people start to walk across. Now, how much water was this? And, and Jeremy brought this up last week. There's a lot of controversy if, if you start reading people about this, particularly skeptics. A lot of con- controversy about how far was it? How deep was it? How wet was it? so on and so forth. But if you continue to read on, you find out that in fact when the Egyptians went in, that all of the Egyptians died. Those that were in chariots, those that were sitting on horses, they all drowned. So it had to be better than 10 feet of water standing that split in half and it turned into dry ground. And they walk to the other side. And so, in our in our case, in my little story, uh, Jeremy holds out his rod of God, which is probably a little stick at this Highlight. point, highlighter. <laughs> he holds out, holds out his highlighter. The water splits. And all of us are able to walk over into Cape Cod. And then, of course, finally, the cloud lifted and the Canadians now are able to come after us. And after they get out in the water, the water folds back on them and all of them are are dead. All of the uh, the soldiers that were after them, in this case, in the reality, the Egyptians, they're all drowned. All of them. And all of us have made it safely over to Cape Cod. And I'm not sure why we wouldn't go over to Cape Cod, but uh, we went there anyway. Right, But my point is, can you imagine, just can you imagine the wonder of this whole thing? When I stop to think about it, it just blows me away to think, this really happened. Now, I've said this a, a, a zillion times, but I really mean it in every case. When I get to heaven, I'm hoping God's got this recorded on a thumb drive or a CD or something like that. And he allows us to go back and view these things because I'd like to go back and see this, one to see the miracle of the water splitting it, uh, turning to dry land and going across and even the water coming back and, and uh, drowning all the Egyptians. But for me, because I'm a kind of a people person, I really wanna see the look on the face of all of those children of Israel. Can you imagine what, what they must've went through? What, what the feelings they must've had, the joy that they had, uh, the, the, the absolute awe? Right, this had never happened before in history. Now, we know it did happen again later on with the, the River Jordan, but up until that point, this had never happened. They had no warning that God was going to do something so miraculous. Can you imagine? Just put yourself in their shoes for a second. Um, what they must have felt. Now, I don't know how long after that happened, whether this of chapter 15 was immediate or whether Moses wrote it three days later, three months later, three years later. Uh, we don't really have any record of how how long uh, of time between 14 and 15, but I'm gonna guess that it was somewhere pretty close by uh, after they got over the, the Red Sea to the other side and were saved that Moses sat down and penned uh, chapter 15 or the first half of chapter 15 which depending upon how your Bible is laid out, uh, it may say something like a song of Moses or a song of uh, uh, Moses and Miriam. If you're looking at an NIV, uh, a song of deliverance. If you're looking at the New Living Translation, uh, the King James says, uh, just a song of Moses. But it's all the same thing, no no matter what uh, you title it. It's Moses penning a song about this whole thing that happened. And when we read it, you're gonna see the absolute joy that he felt and therefore the people must have felt uh, in in being delivered. Are you with me? Good, let's start with chapter 15. Now, because this is an entire song, we're gonna read the whole thing. Aren't you thrilled? It's only 18 verses long. In my Bible, it's only a page and a half. So it's not that bad. So let's look at Chapter 15, we're gonna read verses one through 18. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song and he has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise Him. My Father's God and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is His name. Pharaoh's chariots and army, he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains are also drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You set forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them, I will draw my sword, my hand will destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them, they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you? glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You, in your mercy, have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the habitants of Philistine, Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. All of the habits of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of your arms. They will be as still as stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till your people pass over, whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountains of your inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling." the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever." You can kind of feel and understand, get a little sense of what Moses, the author, um, and I don't know, maybe some of the the children of Israel took part in writing that song, I don't know. Uh, But you can feel what they must have been feeling, right, that greatness that you took care of us, Lord. When, when we needed you, you came through, right? Shouldn't have been a surprise to them, shouldn't be a surprise to us, but oftentimes, at least I am surprised that sometimes the Lord just comes through uh, right when I need him. Interesting, if you think back, beyond, back before uh, chapter 14, back in about uh, chapter 11 and 12, only a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months prior to this, These children of Israel were all groaning, sighing, and complaining, right? Just a short period of time ago, they were a bunch of whiners, a bunch of complainers. Now, after this miraculous thing has happened, now, all of a sudden, they're filled with joy and wonder, and they're singing, singing a great song. Sadly, we know, uh, not, this is not much of a spoiler because we know this uh, from, from previous lessons and if you've read Exodus, you know it. It's only a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months and guess what? Yeah, they're, they're whining again, they're sighing again. Um, and, you know, it's easy, could be easy to give the children of Israel a hard time for this until I look at my own life, right? And I gotta be honest and say, you know, There are times when I'm up here and then the dumbest things happen and I'm down here someplace and then I'm back up here and then I'm down here, right? I can be just like the children of Israel. When things are going good, I'm happy and singing and I remember all the songs we sang on Sunday morning and I'm singing in the shower and things are great. And then someone says something that I don't like or I have to do something I'm not thrilled with and all of a sudden, yeah, I'm not singing anymore either. But that's certainly uh, true with the, uh, the children of Israel. Now, probably not surprising because you can look at your Bible and, and see, we're pretty close to the beginning. Guess what? This is the very, very, very first song ever recorded in the Bible. This song that we just read, and I don't know the tune to it, I suspect that it was probably chanted, uh, but it's the very, very first song that was ever, ever written in the Bible. Want to know something else? Turns out it is also the very last song ever recorded in the Bible. Turn all the way to the back to Revelation, so the, the last book of the Bible, Revelations, chapter 15 also, I think that's probably just a coincidence, but go to chapter 15 of Revelations and I'll just read uh, uh, verse three and four. They sing Now, by the way, let me, uh, let me just uh, kind of context. These people are not at the Red Sea. Uh, these people don't have to cross over the Red Sea. The people we're talking about here, guess where they're at? In heaven, right, Lamar? They're up in heaven. So in fact, this is right after the, the bowl jud- judgments. If you remember back when we studied Revelations, that was a long time ago. Uh, but this is after the bowl judgments and it says, that they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying or singing, great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifest." So not only is this the very first song recorded in the Bible, but it's also the last song recorded in the Bible. Now, let me tell you something else. It's actually recorded in the Bible two other places. We won't go and read it. If you want to on your own, you can. Uh, It's also recorded in Psalm 118. Remember Psalm 119, the next Psalm is that long, 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 long Psalm. Uh, But Psalm 118, uh, it's recorded there. And then in Isaiah 12, and by the way, when it's recorded in Isaiah 12, uh, it's also being recorded talking about uh, uh, us when we're in heaven. Now, a preacher friend of mine, uh, Dave Watts, uh, made a statement, I'm sure this was not original with him, I've heard other people say it before and since, that if God says something twice in the Bible, take notice, it's important. And there's a couple of times where God actually repeats something three times. Extremely important. Here, we've got something that God's recorded four times. And as far as I know, uh, Jeremy, correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is the only thing in the Bible that's actually recorded four times. Must be important. And why do you think that is? Any guesses? I mean, I don't mind feedback. So if you got guesses, guesses are fine. Why would God record this four times? Here's what I think is, you know how it's kind of neat when you come in um, and, uh, and we sing songs on Wednesday night or on Sunday morning that you're familiar with. And so you can sing right along. And in fact, sometimes I don't even look at the words. I probably should because i mess them up, but you know, I sing in the back, so it's no big deal. Um, But you're familiar with it. You know the tune, you know the words, and you can really get into worship because it's a song I'm familiar with. Um, I think the reason why God recorded this four times is he's trying to tell us, this is a song you're gonna be singing. I mean, in Revelations, we see that. In Isaiah 12, we also see that, that in fact, the people in heaven are singing this song. So whether you like the song or not, get ready, because when we're in heaven, Joe... We're gonna be singing this song. Will there be a tune? I don't know, maybe David will be on his harp. I'm not really sure. Maybe it's a chant, but this is a song we're going to sing that Moses wrote all those years before. We're gonna be singing again. I think maybe that's why uh, it's in there four times. Um, I could be wrong, but that's, uh, that's my guess. Go back, if you, if you want, go back and look at verse one. And you start to get a clue of what they were doing. Here's what they weren't doing. I love the what they weren't doing and what they were, obviously. This is the second time already tonight, right? Um, they weren't singing about the Lord. And there's nothing wrong about singing about the Lord. We sang about the Lord tonight. It's great music. It's great song. It's great worship. There's nothing wrong with singing about the Lord. I'm not trying to say that there is. They weren't singing about the Lord. And they weren't singing just for the Lord, though obviously they were singing for the Lord because they were singing to tell him how marvelous and how wonderful he was. They sang directly to the Lord. And isn't that when we really have worship? Jeremy talked about uh, some of the Thirst Nights uh, and I love the Thirst Nights because it is just kind of a special, intimate time uh, when we get together and we share as a family. Uh, But sometimes the the worship on Thursday night, we end up singing not to hear each other, uh, but we sing to the Lord to tell him who he is and how much he means to us. That's what they were doing. They were singing to the Lord, which is uh, uh, obviously uh, very special. And you know what? Because they were singing to the Lord, I believe— that this is the Lord's favorite song. Otherwise, why would he record it four times? Uh, if you know any music artists, I, I know a handful of music artists, and if they get a song they really like, in fact, I, I just heard a, uh, or just saw a, a note uh, today about a group that sang the same song two years in a row and hit number one two years in a row. Obviously, they liked the song or they wouldn't have done it uh, two years in a row. Uh, But I think this is God's favorite song. Not only is this Moses' song of deliverance, Moses' happy song, I think this is God's favorite song. And that's one of the reasons why he recorded it four times. But you you can see that in verse one, that they are singing definitely to the Lord. Do you ever sing to the Lord? Have, Have you ever done that? I do that regularly. I really sound pretty good in the shower, let me tell you, i just, just say. Or in my car with the windows up, I'm, I'm pretty good, right? Um, maybe not so good here, but that's just, I think it's just the positioning. Um, but sometimes and, sometimes, and I like music, nothing against preaching, I like music best. That's just me. And sometimes, I, in fact, I would say probably um, better than 50% of the time, I wake up in the morning with a song in my head, a song in my heart. And I find myself singing that to the Lord um, while I'm brushing my teeth, when I'm taking a shower, when I'm doing all the morning ritual stuff. I find myself doing that, singing to the Lord. Look at verse two. Now you don't necessarily probably have uh, the King James Version, but this is one of the few times when I like the King James Version better than even the, the New Living Translation. Uh, the King James Version for, two's, uh, for verse 2 says, I will prepare for him habitation. Now, what, what uh, uh, they're talking about, obviously, uh, Moses is singing, um, and, uh, and he is saying that while I'm doing that, I'm going to prepare in myself, in my heart, a place for habitation. For who? Well, of course, uh, for, um, uh, for the Lord. If you want to go to Psalms 23, 3, if you want to, if you don't have to, you probably know this. Um, Psalm 23, verse 3, uh, 22, rather, verse 3 says, The Lord inhabitates the praises of his people. Right? So again, Singing to the Lord, just like in this, singing to the Lord opens up an avenue for the Lord to come and dwell within us. When we sing, whether we're singing in church or in the shower or in the car, or a lot of times while I'm working, I'm not singing audibly. Uh, That would probably be very uh, disturbing and distracting to everybody else around me. But in my head, I continue to sing What we're doing is we're building a habit, a home, a throne, a place for the Lord to come and abide in our hearts. And of course, while he's abiding in our hearts, ruling in our lives at the same time. Uh, John 4.23, if you want to go to John 4.23, it'll also be up on the screen. The Father seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Here's my thoughts. Um, There is nothing that I can show you biblically uh, or theologically uh, that prove this, but here's my thoughts is when you feel distance from God, and we've all, I know we've all had that time when sometimes it just feels like God's at a distance from us. And we all know it's not because God's moved. Unfortunately, I know from my own life, Typically, it's because I've moved. But when you feel distance from God, when you just don't feel his presence the way uh, that you want, I mentioned uh, uh, at breakfast a week or so ago, I went through a period of time last week where do you ever get to a point where you're so close, or 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 Jesus is so close, you almost feel like you can put your arm out and and hold him and bring him close to you. I had a week where uh, a wonderful week where I just felt like he was there, and I know he's there all the time. I mean, I, I understand that, but somehow for me, it just felt so real uh, that he was there. Well, when you don't feel that, or Maybe you just don't feel uh, that your devotion time, your reading and your praying, that you're just connecting with the Lord. Sing, sing. Now, does that mean that you have to break out in song and the tune? No, of course not. Uh, But sing to the Lord. And here's what I found out in in my life is that when I sing to the Lord, somehow that brings the, the Lord closer. Maybe it's because he feels sorry for me <laughs> well you're a lousy singer. you could use some help here, maybe that's it I don't know but but I've found literally in my life that that when I feel like I'm distanced from the Lord, if I start singing, all of a sudden it just feels like he comes closer and closer to me i, I uh, on uh, on that whole thing about singing, I read a note uh, a while back that said uh Sing, and the Lord will come closer. It's easier for the Lord to find you than you go find the Lord. Uh, but I think there's a lot of truth to that sometimes, just, uh, just singing. Mm. And I think singing to the Lord, whether it's singing, whether it's uh, 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 memory verses that you've memorized or that you uh, know fairly well, that you're repeating over in your mind, whether it's something even as easy as Psalm 23 um, or any scripture that you've got, it's kind of like saying amen to a preacher, right? When you say amen to a preacher when they were preaching, it's kind of like uh, saying, go get them, buddy, just go get them, right? It's, 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 it just kind of edges them on. Well, I think it's the same thing with the Lord, right? When, when I sing to the Lord, or when I remember verses, or when I pop open my, my phone uh, and look up some verses and read them, Um, Of course he's going to come close. It's kind of like just saying, go get him uh, to him. Verse three says something. I don't know if you noticed when we read it. Verse three says something that's interesting. Now, it's not interesting considering where they came from, but it's interesting when you stop and think about the Lord. Verse three says, the very first part of it, the Lord is a man of war. And you probably know, you may not know uh, this, the, the chapter and verse, but uh, in First John uh, chapter four verse eight, it says, "God is love." Whoa! <laughs> From Exodus, God is a man of war, to First John in the, near the end of the, the New Testament, uh, God is love. Seems like a dichotomy, right? Seems, seems like this doesn't make sense. In fact. Uh, if you ever hear any, uh, uh, particularly uh, skeptics, but atheists or, or uh, people that are trying to argue against the Bible, they like to bring up things where it seems like there's a con- contradiction. And this is one of the most popular ones as they bring up Exodus of uh, chapter 15, verse uh, uh, three. The Lord is a man of war. And then say, but yet over in, uh, in the New Testament in First John, it says God is love. How is that possible? We had a good example of this on Sunday. Um, Jeremy said this, that, um, that if I were to insult or uh, try to harass Grace, he said that he would punch me in the face. He didn't say me specifically, but he said anybody that would, you said, that you would punch him in the face. Does that mean that if I do that, he punched me in the face, that mean that Jeremy doesn't love me? Well, no, it just means that he loves his wife more, right? (laughs) That's all it really means. And that's what we got here, right? Did did God love the Egyptians? Well, yeah, we know from uh, John uh, chapter three, the gospel of John, that it's his desire that the whole world would be saved. I mean, after all, he sent his son to die because he wanted the whole world to be saved. So he wanted those Egyptians to love him, to worship him. That's what he really, really wanted. But he loved the children of Israel more. And so when the Egyptians came after the children of Israel to kill him, he did what Jeremy would do if I gave, if I harassed Grace, he punched him in the face. Right? Doesn't mean he didn't love them, just means that, uh, that he loved the children of Israel more and he had to correct uh, the Egyptians. And we see that throughout the Old Testament, right? Uh, and, and again, you hear this argument all the time. Um, but in the Old Testament, there were battles and, and uh, there were uh, skirmishes all the time and, and God was a, was a God of war. And, and what is all that about, right? Uh, all it really means is, is that God, in fact, loves his children and he hates, though not hates in a way that, that, that we might think, but he dislikes those that are, are going against uh, his children. Matthew uh, eleven twelve. 12. If you want to go to Matthew eleven twelve, 12, there's an interesting verse there that, you know, we don't preach about too much. Uh, so chapter 11 of Matthew, verse 12 says... And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violence take it by force. So although we wanna think about the New Testament being all about love, saying right here that in fact, um, there is violence, that the kingdom of heaven uh, is violent, has violence associated with it. Well, how could this be? How could this be? And in fact, I'm going to tell you that I want you to go into battle. I want you to be violent, each and every one of you. You know, I want you to pray for your spouse or your family, your children, violently. Not haphazardly, not, oh Lord, please take care of my kids, but get on your knees and fight for your kids. Um, Tuesday night men's study, We have the same three of us, and there may be others, but we have the same three guys that mention every week, I have unsaved adult children that I want saved. Uh, Myself, Chad, and Dennis. Every week, right? And when we go home, I'm sure the two of them, I know I do, we pray violently for those kids to be saved. I pray violently for Dennis's kids, for Chad's kids, and they pray for mine violently because we want them saved. Pray for your brothers and sisters in the Lord, violently, not haphazardly, not a nice, easy prayer all the time, but mean it and pray violently. Pray for the sick, pray for revival, which is a big, and you know what what else? We got coming right before us, Uh, Jeremy's talked about it on Sunday. Uh, If you've been in the the nine o'clock service, the last, well, roughly the last three weeks, Uh, but certainly Easter and this past Sunday, we're out of room. We need to do something to figure out how are we going to accommodate all the people that the Lord's bringing to us. Pray violently for that. Not just, have the Lord please give us place, but pray earnestly from the bottoms of, of your heart. Pray that the Lord will give us a place that we need. If, you, if you're ever here early for any of the services, uh, Maya and, or whoever's on uh, words, Grace tonight, but Chris and whoever, uh, scrolls through a number of slides. One slide that always pop up is our prayer chain. Why do we have a prayer chain? I mean, it's a, it's a churchy thing to sort of do, right? Every church does it, so it must be just a good thing to do because every church does it. Well, why does every church do it? Because of the power, because I want the things that we put out. See, I'm doing just like you. See that? You see I did that? Uh, I want that when we have a prayer need, that goes out. Um, and uh, uh, we had one this week that went out. I wish uh, Debbie and, and Dave were here, uh, but they had one. Uh, Debbie's dad, I, I'm sure she doesn't mind. Uh, In fact, if you talk to her, she's probably already told you. Her dad has gone through a really, really tough time medically uh, the last couple of weeks, and now he's in rehab. Um, So here's this guy who's gone through, in fact, uh, at at one period of time, she was concerned that it may be the end. Uh, He's now in rehab, and you know what he's concerned about? This guy, Ed, who's in a a bed in the same room that he's in, whether it's just another bed or there's multiple, I don't know, but he's concerned about this guy, Ed, because Ed has gotta go for surgery. And Debbie's dad, I don't know his first name, I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, he's concerned that this guy will have surgery and die and he's not saved, right? So he, he so he sends it to us and says, could you guys pray? Well, we, the reason we send it out in the prayer chain is because I want everybody on the prayer chain to pray together violently. I want us to be a, a team a, a going out into battle for these individual requests, uh, all, all of us uh, together over and over and over again. So what are your prayers like? I, I, again, I'll, I'll be uh, honest, more honest maybe than, than you really are. Uh, really care to know, but I can be like everybody else, right? Uh, Get up in the morning, I do whatever I'm going to do, uh, get get cleaned up and get ready to go, and then I realize I really had all those things on the prayer list that I ask everybody else to pray for, I should pray, so I go down to the list and get it over with, right? Sadly, I, I get honest and say that there are times, there are also times when I get out in the car, open up the garage door, turn on the car, get ready to back out, and the Lord says. Uh, did you really pray? And so I sat in the garage with the car running, uh, and do what I should have done before. And, and the uh, what's that? The doors open. Right? The door's open. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the doors open. Yeah, I'm still here. So, the door. <laughs> but good point. I should remember to keep the door. open, But I do. But right, that's the reason why why we have this to be able to uh, pray to be able to pray violently to go into battle. Verse 14 says that the people will hear uh, and be afraid. Let me uh, read verse 14 for you. Um, verse 14 says, the people, the other people, will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the ha- inhabitants of the Philistines. Why are people afraid of God? Do you ever stopped this? Why are people afraid of God? Why are... Um, why, why are so many countries fighting against Christianity? I mean, you would think that they would look at it from our point of view and realize this is really a good thing for everybody. Um, but, but they're not, they're, they're fighting against it. Why is that? Uh, interesting, um, I listen to Christian radio almost all the time. And on the news on Tuesday, they reported that on Monday, the city of, Indian, uh, of Minneapolis, uh, the, the uh, town council uh, had voted and passed a, uh, a modification to their loud, loud noise ordinance. in that um, the Muslims in the city of Minneapolis can broadcast uh, from their mosque uh, prayer time five times a day, just like they do in an Arab country. And if you've ever been in an Arab country, Uh, it's broadcast very, very loud. Uh, Minneapolis, which has an ordinance against uh, outside loudspeakers, changed their ordinance to allow Muslim prayer time to be called out. Interesting, would you ever have thought that would happen in the United States? But here we are. And at the same time, um, knowing that this was going to happen, a number of churches wanted to therefore install loudspeakers out into their parking lot uh, for people who didn't wanna come in for whatever reason could actually stay out in the parking lot and hear the service, and you know what happened with that. No. So here we have, uh, uh, it's okay to broadcast a Muslim call to prayer, but we can't broadcast uh, anything else, uh, but certainly can't broadcast a church service. Why? Why is that the way that it is? Why are people so afraid? I always chuckle to myself. Most of you know I work part-time at Target. I always chuckle to myself. Target has five—excuse uh, me 12 monthly uh, celebrations every year. Uh, there's Black History Month. I got nothing against the blacks. Uh, Hispanic History Month. I got nothing against uh, Women in Business Month. Uh, of course, uh, you know there's a Gay Pride Month. Uh, but you know what they don't have? They don't have Christians in business. They don't have Christian Women's Month, um, right? They stay, by the way, they, they do have uh, the Atheist Celebration Day. Everybody know what the Atheist Celebration Day is? April 1st, April Fool's Day, because God says, a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Uh, no, they don't really, but <laughs> they, don't, they don't really celebrate that. But, if, but they have celebrations for everything else but Christianity. Why is that? Why is that? Well, it's because, of course, Satan recognizes the power of God, and if he can continue to, to limit the expansion of God's kingdom, then he feels, at least for himself, for a period of time, uh, that, that he's won. And so um, it's just natural uh, that countries are scared of Christianity. Countries are scared of God uh, coming in because of their, their uh, uh, Satan has control of them. Can I tell about the April Fool's joke I didn't do?
0: <laughs> this was great.
1: It, this, this has absolutely nothing to do with the topic. <laughs> absolutely not. But since I mentioned April Fool's, it popped into my head. So this year on April Fool's Day, um, if you remember, go back and if you remember announcements, because everybody listens to announcements, everybody understands announcements. A uh, little tongue in cheek. <laughs> Um, on April Fool's, we had the Seder dinner here, right? You guys remember that? On April Fool's Day, on on April 1st, we had the Seder dinner. So I woke up on Saturday morning thinking, this is great. Um, So I cannot uh, put together this whole story about how a lady that we know, uh, one of the waitresses at Roundabout's husband, is on the town council for Dover, And since uh, she does know my number, I I did uh, a funeral for her sister, uh, that she called me and had her husband talk to me and that anything that we would do that exceeded 50 people needed to have the city of Dover health inspector come in and verify the whole thing. So I was gonna call Jeremy and say, here's the problem. We can't do the Seder dinner tonight because we haven't been inspected and we're expecting over 50 people, they're gonna shut us down or for a $5,000 fee, they'll come in uh, and, and do the inspection on a weekend. Otherwise, we'll have to delay it for a week. So I thought this would be a great idea and then I thought about it again and said, yeah, I can just see that in the middle of my conversation with Jeremy, the phone goes dead click, right? And then he calls and who knows what would happen from there. So I, uh, <laughs> what's that? He would cause me to sin. Yeah, could cause him to sin or whatever. But it was a great April Fool's joke. I just, I didn't do it. Uh, but anyway, going back. Um, verse 17. Look at verse 17 and what verse 17 says that... Um, you will bring them in and plant them in the mouth of their inheritance in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. Yeah, we know that God took the children of Israel out of Egypt. We know that. That's not the important part, though. Though at the time when they were trying to get out of slavery, that was probably pretty important to them. But God took them out of Egypt, but more importantly, what did God do? God took them to the land of promise. Now, there was this whole thing about 40 years because they weren't ready to go in, uh, but God didn't, it wasn't just that he took them out of Egypt, he took them to the promised land. Amen. And isn't that true for you and me? Yeah, we're still stuck here. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> Really, some days I get so frustrated with myself that I really do, tell God, you know, this would be a great day to take me and I'm okay with it. You know, heart attack, car accident, rapture, any of those things are good. Uh, but we're still stuck here. But he has taken us out of Egypt. But what's more important is that we're not just taken out of Egypt, out of this world. He's taking us to the land of promise, Amen. to heaven. And we will sing the song of Moses. And that's what I'm most excited, excited about is, yeah, he set us free redemptiously. Yeah, he redeemed us. Yeah, he's, he's uh, uh, counted us as righteous. Yeah, he's sanctifying us. Uh, all those sort of things are, are going on. But most importantly to me, maybe it's because of my age, it's where I'm going that's most important. Right, Lamar? It's where we're going that, that we're so excited about. Um, and for Lamar and I, you can look at the two of us and figure out, it's probably not going to be too much longer, right, Lamar? Uh, uh, a, a friend of mine said, uh, a guy by the name of George Jones used to say all the time, I've lived a lot more days than I'm going to live in the future, and that's very true for me. Uh, there's no way I'm going to live as many days as I have lived already, and I recognize that, and I'm anxious to go. Not suicidal, but I'm anxious to go. One day, one glorious day, and I can only imagine what this is going to be like, Uh, one day we'll walk into heaven. And I don't know how we're going to do this, uh, how God's going to implant that song of Moses uh, into our minds. Again, I don't know whether we actually sing it or chant it, uh, but God's got that all taken care of. One day, all of us are going to be there and we're all going to sing that song of Moses. And I think because it's God's favorite song, I think it is. It's in the Bible four times. There had to be a reason why he did it four times. I think we're going to sing it over and over and over again and never get tired of singing to the Lord the great and wonderful things that he did. And we'll be able to look at it as we sing it and remember and see what he did for the children of Israel at the Red Sea, but at the same time, remember back on our lives and think about all the things God did for us uh, individually. And all of a sudden that song is going to be sweeter and sweeter and sweeter as the ages go on. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Lord, this whole thing, Lord, about taking the children of Israel across the Red Sea, what an amazing, amazing, amazing miracle. I can't wait to see it and to to see uh, how this was and how the people felt. And I'm hoping, Lord, that somehow you'll be able to to allow me to kind of feel what they felt throughout this whole thing. Lord, help us, help us, Lord, that as our days continue on, that we'll remember the remarkable uh, miracles that you performed in our own lives, individually, collectively, as a church, as a congregation, the things that you've done, and we'll sing to you. Maybe it won't be a song, but we'll certainly sing in our heart in thanksgiving to you for what you've done for us. Lord, guide and direct us. Help us in all we do for Jesus' sake. Amen. Uh, For those online, I should have mentioned it uh, early on. I didn't. Uh, We're going to be having communion, so if you want to rush right now and get uh, uh, your elements, uh, that would be great. Uh, We're going to take communion together in a couple of seconds. special time of uh, communion, Uh, Dan had a great great idea where we tried to do communion a little bit more intimate. Um, I couldn't help but think, and we talked about in the the three groups uh, that I ended up being involved in, most of us have probably seen the passion of the Christ. So you have a little bit of an idea from that of the pain and agony that Christ